Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Good morning, Thrive Church, man. It's glad to have you guys with us today. Um, it's exciting. We're doing something that we haven't done yet, uh, and it's called the Campus Pastor Swap. So today, what you're going to get is you're going to have the campus pastor from your other campus come over and share today with you. So um, our Richmond City location, you need to be excited about Pastor Keith Rao, our campus pastor over at Chesterfield. And Chesterfield, you need to be excited because today you have Pastor Mark Thomas sharing God's Word with you. We have amazing campus pastors. What many of you don't realize is, is that we're really good at staying in our lanes at Thrive, knowing what God's created us to do, who God's created us to be. And both of these men of God, Mark Thomas at Richmond and Pastor Keith Rao um, over here at uh, Chesterfield, that both of these guys manage the campuses well, man. They oversee, man, they're able to deal with issues that are going on, and they make my life a lot easier than it really could be or should be. And it uh, frees me up to do what I'm really good at. And so what we wanted to do today was to expose you to the other campus pastor and see what each one um, have. Uh, what I love about Pastor Keith Brown and Pastor Mark Thomas is they're polar opposites, but man, these guys work so well together, planning your weekend services. They get together each week, trying to figure out what to announce, what to come up. They, 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 they get together on technical issues to handle things to deal with, um, and they really are, um, are just people who work well together. I love working with your campus pastors. So today, at your respective locations, I want you to give a warm welcome. Not just a warm welcome. I want us to give an an exciting welcome to the other campus pastor today as we do campus pastor swap. Let's put our hands together and welcome the other campus pastor to your location today. Let's go, church. Good morning, Thrive Church, Chesterfield Campus. How's everyone doing today? Come on. All right, so this is not a hand clap for me, although I appreciate it, right? This is a hand clap for God. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. That's why we're here this morning. That's the only reason we're here this morning. As Pastor Kevin was saying, my name is Pastor Mark Thomas. I am from our Richmond City campus. Before I get started today, this is what I want to say. I want to say that there, listen to me now. There is no place that I'd rather be on planet Earth than right here, right now, with each one of my brothers and my sisters. Come on now. That's how I feel about this morning. I want to let you know it's an honor. It's a privilege for me to be here uh, with you and to be able to share God's word with you this morning. So we have been in um, a series called Twisted. Everyone say Twisted. Twisted. So today we're in week three of our message series called Twisted. Uh, What we're doing is we're looking at some of the most popular Bible verses that have been misquoted or misrepresented. Now, I remember a time when I was misrepresented by a person in a very humorous way. Now, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been misrepresented? The answer to that question is yes. If you are alive and you are breathing, you have been misrepresented at some point in your life. Can I get a oh yeah? Oh yeah. 
All right, so this is how I was misrepresented. Uh, before I came to Thrive Church, I was uh, the lead pastor at a church called Next Step Ministries. Woo! Yes. Now, there are some people that attend Thrive Church, Chesterville Campus, who once attended Next Step Ministries. And I want to tell you about this couple. Uh, there is a woman that attended Next Step Ministries. She attended our weekly services. I'm going to call her Jane Doe. So she attended our weekly services, and week after week she would come. Now, at this point, her husband didn't attend, and she would tell me stories about her husband. I was like, man, this guy sounds incredible. She would tell me a story week after week, and I'm like, this sounds like an amazing guy. I cannot wait to meet him, so I'm not going to wait for him to come to church. I'm going to go to him. So I found out where they live. Yes, I stalked them is what I did. I stalked them. Okay. Found out where they lived. I had this really, really cool book that I want to bless this man with. We're going to call him John Doe. Because I went to his house, went to the front door, knocked on the door. All right. John Doe answered, opened up the door. He answered and he, I looked at him. I said, hey, my name's Pastor Morgan. Immediately, this is what John Doe said. He looked down at me because obviously he's a little taller than me. Come on now. And he said, I said, hey man, my name's Pastor Mark. He looked down at me. He said, you're Pastor Mark? I didn't know pastors could be that short. I didn't know pastors could be short, as short as you. These are the first words that came out of his mouth. And he said, I didn't know pastors could wear cool, dark shades like what you're wearing with a biker leather jacket that you're wearing. And I said, look, man, I don't know what your image is of pastor because I thought you were going to be a tall, clean-cut guy. You see, in a very funny way, in a very humorous way, this man, John Doe, he misrepresented me with preconceived ideas that he had in his imagination. And it wasn't who he thought I was. It was quite different than he thought I was. So let's be real today. Let's open up today with some extreme honesty. Are y'all down for that? Yeah. All right. So this is how we approach the Bible most of the time. We pull scriptures from the Bible and we quote them with misunderstandings and preconceived ideas we have stored in our minds. And we fail to take in context what it all says. Oftentimes, the results aren't as humorous as when I was misrepresented by my good friend, John Doe. But it could be harmful. It could be destructive when we twist the meaning of God's word. Well, today's verse is very applicable. Let's look at, let's look at this verse we're focusing on today. Probably the most famous, the most popular Bible verse in all the Bible. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Love this verse. And this is what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to declare the, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. Now, if you have been a Christ follower than more than two weeks, you probably heard this verse. If you heard this verse, say, yeah, that's me. I've heard it. Yeah, everyone's like, everyone's shaking their head. Yeah, that's me. So you may have gotten a refrigerator magnet with that verse on it. It's hanging on your refrigerator at home, right? 
You, if you've graduated, you probably got a graduation card given to you with that verse on it. You may have a coffee mug with that verse on it that you drink out of every single day. I know I do. <laughs> Some of you may have this cross stitch on your pillow that your grandma made for you. Right? Everyone laughing. You have that pillow at home. Yes. Yes. Because you know that this is the favorite cross stitching verse of grandma's everywhere. Okay? So today's message may rub some of you the wrong way because doggone it, if grandma cross-stitched it on a pillow, then that verse must be a powerful verse and it must have been written just for you. So what I want to do today is I want us to help us understand this verse a little more in context. The goal is that when we finish today, we will have more appreciation for this verse than we did before. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been talking about three things you need to know when you read the Bible. Everyone, I need your help say three things. Yes, you sounded good out there today. So the first thing is we need to know the context of Scripture. So what that means is we need to know who wrote it. We need to know what the broader picture is. And we need to know what came before the verse we're reading and what came after the verse we're reading. The second thing that we need to know is we need to interpret the Bible with the Bible. The best commentary for the Bible, let me say it, is the Bible. Let me say that one more time. The best commentary for the Bible is the Bible. Yes. So we have to look at all the scriptures in the Bible to interpret this scripture that we're looking at this morning, Jeremiah 29, 11. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to look at the context of scripture. We need to interpret the Bible with the Bible. And then we need to apply it. Everyone say apply it. Yes. I say this often and it feels so good when I say it. The Bible is not just a text to be studied, but it's letters to be lived out. Let me say that one more time. It felt so good saying it. I got to say it twice. The Bible is not just a text to be studied, but it's a letter to be lived out. In other words, we need to seek to apply what the Bible teaches us. So in Jeremiah 29, 11, God has plans to prosper you. Let's look at the context and see if we can get a broader understanding. So here's the context of that letter. Now in verse 1 of Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, it actually gives us the context. See if you can pick it up. This is what the scripture says. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent. Now, who wrote this letter? Jeremiah. From Jerusalem. Now, who did he write this to? He wrote it to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Those are the people that he wrote it to. So what's going on? Jeremiah is writing a letter to the Jewish exiles. Those are the people who were taken out of their homeland. Imagine being taken out of your homeland, uprooted, taken to a place you don't want to go, a place you uh, know nothing about into captivity 
under King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. So you might be asking yourself, why were they in exile? This is why they were in exile. They blatantly disobeyed God. They set up false gods and worshipped them. So for their blatant sin against God, they were in exile for 70 years. Now when we read this verse, we need to understand that, now this is crucial. We need to understand in the Bible there will be specific promises and there will be general promises. So when we look at scriptures, we have to understand that there are specific promises made to a specific group of people and there are general promises made to everyone. So the truth of Jeremiah 29 11 is that it's a specific promise that was initially made to the Jewish exiles. Now, remember, they had been extremely disobedient and they were suffering. God had a plan to bring that nation out of exile and restore them. He wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem and he wanted to restore worship of him alone. Now, here's the problem when we read Jeremiah 29, 11. We all do this. We're all guilty of this. The problem is that when we read plans to prosper you, I always thought that you meant me. We all do this because we want to be the main character in the Bible. Do you guys remember what uh, Pastor Kevin always says is your favorite radio station? Y'all remember what that is? W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me radio? So when we look at scripture, we have a tendency to make ourselves the hero of the story. We We tend to leak into the text. And ultimately, we ignore the context. We ignore the recipient of the letter and we insert ourselves in there. So our goal today is to pull out what is the truth of the scripture. Now, you might be wondering to yourself, why does this really matter to me? Well, this is crucial for you is crucial for me because it matters that we get this because if we pull one verse out of the Bible and we claim that verse Jeremiah 29 11 God has plans for me he has plans not to harm me he has plans to prosper me if we pull just that one verse out and we get anything less than prosperity or you experience any type of harm then you come to a conclusion either God isn't good God doesn't care, God doesn't exist, or God is really not that powerful. So by seeing this as a promise is directly to you, and if you bypass the history and you bypass the backdrop of the verse, it can actually do damage to you when you misrepresent the word of God. It can do damage. So when we do this, we'll see God as a cosmic Coke machine. We'll go up to the Coke machine, we'll put our money in, and we're going to push a button, and we're going to ask God to do what he wants us to do. He is not a genie in a bottle, but if we don't have the right context of this scripture, we're going to look at God as a cosmic Coke machine. 
or a genie in a bottle. So what we do when we do that, we essentially reduce God as our butler. We end up wanting God to serve us, but the reality is that we exist to serve God. Now come on, someone say amen to that. We exist to serve God. So you're looking up here at me, you're like campus pastor swap. Hey, thank you for coming to Thrive today, Mark. I know uh, you're super encouraged at this point. You're like, thanks, Pastor Mark. Now I have to tear up grandma's pillow. I have to smash my coffee mug on the concrete. I, I need to go and get my laser, uh, my Jeremiah 29:11 tattoo lasered off me. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I came to church to get built up today, and then I have to hear this. Now, don't do any of that. Don't smash your coffee mug. Don't rip up your grandmother's pillow that she cross-stitched for you. Don't do any of that. Because we're going to look at the context of Scripture. And once we have the full, I said full understanding, we will love it even more. Everyone say even more. All right. Now, here's why. We can find out why in our big idea. Our big idea is this. To really understand God's plans, you have to know the whole plot of the story. Let me say it one more time. To really understand God's plans, you have to know the whole plot of the story. So we must know the whole plot of the story in the Bible. We have to look at the scriptures surrounding Jeremiah 29:11. So what become what comes before? All right, I need your help on this. What comes before Jeremiah 29? I'm going to ask it again. What comes before Jeremiah 29? Ding, ding, ding. Survey says you are right. Awesome. So here's a history in Jeremiah 28. You have a guy. It's going to get good. Now, y'all listen to this. This is going to get good. All right. You have a guy named Hananiah. He prophesizes that exile was only going to last two years, okay? Not 70 years. He's saying that God is going to give you a breakthrough in two years. You don't need to wait for 70 years. God's going to give you a breakthrough in two years. Hananiah was delivering what I call false good news. So Jeremiah, he's the prophet of God. He came to speak the truth, okay? Jeremiah calls him out. He told Hananiah, because you are delivering this false good news, you will die. Yeah, he said that. Now, in the seventh month of that year, Hananiah died. Wow, you should read your Bible more on a regular basis because it's better than an HBO series. Come on now. <laughs> and that's precisely why parents named their kids Jeremiah. You never heard anyone name their kid Hananiah because Hananiah is delivering false good news and Jeremiah is a true prophet of God. Tell me if you ever heard someone named Hananiah. Come on now. <laughs> But you heard someone named Jeremiah, right? All right, that's God revealing himself right there. Okay? You didn't even know it until this moment. No, it's so easy to buy in this false good news. Can I, be, can I be honest with you? It's so easy for you. It's so easy for me. It's so easy for us to buy into this false good news. That's part of the deal of walking with Christ. It's so easy to buy into this false good news. We can easily be drawn into a type of preaching that makes us focus on us. Come on now, that's some truth right there. It makes us think that God is here to serve us, not that we are here to serve God. 
It's so easy to be drawn into Hananiah's false good news. Now you will hear this preaching, especially at the beginning of the year. Now if you listen to TV preachers, does anyone listen to TV preachers? I do. Yeah, like, so at the beginning of the year, this is what uh, the beginning of the year preachers sound like. This is the year of your abundance. This is the year that you're going to prosper. This is the year that God's going to rain down a cheddar on your life. This is the year that your dream home is going to come your way. You don't have a job. You don't want to work. But God's going to bless you with your dream home. Come on. This is the year of your breakthrough. This is the year that everything you ever dreamed of and every material possession that you've ever desired is going to come your way. That's what a lot of the beginning, year, beginning of the year preach, preaching sounds like. Now here's the deal. Personally, as your pastor, as somebody who prays for all of your souls daily, man, don't you think Pastor Kevin, myself, Pastor Keith, all your pastors here, all your pastors at the Richmond City Campus, we want you to prosper. Don't get me wrong. We, don't, we, we want you to prosper and God does prosper. But here's the deal. We want the best for you. But here's the problem. When it doesn't happen, like some of those TV preachers claim, then we think that God doesn't care for us. That God doesn't exist. Or God isn't powerful. We end up buying into the idea that God exists to serve me. That he exists to make my life comfortable. He exists to make my life easy. And he exists to make me prosperous. God exists to bless me. That's what we start to think. The truth is... At this, we are not the main object. God is the main object of everything. Say everything. Yes. We exist to serve him. We exist to make him famous. And we exist to make his name great. Now listen, if you want to take that one verse and run with it, that God exists to prosper us only with material possessions, keep going. It's false good news. If you're the type of person that's like, God exists to give me front row parking every time I go to the mall. Hallelujah. God is good. If you're thinking to yourself, God exists to bless me. And every time there's a new updated iPhone, you get that new update. That new iPhone 10 that you've been looking at that costs $1,000. You're like, God exists to bless me with these material possessions. I'm going to get a new iPhone. Praise Jesus. And you start looking at the blessings rather than God who's the main object. So here's the deal. If you start doing that, go and teach this verse to a Christian mom in the Middle East who just watched her husband beheaded for his faith. Her child's arms were cut off and she is going to be raped repeatedly for evil men's disposals and now she's living in a refugee tent. And if you're thinking, why is he mentioning that? That's kind of that's messed up because you know what? That is happening around the world right now. We're so blessed we don't have to experience that. But those things are happening for people following Christ right now all the way around the world. So let her watch a TV preacher and listen to that one verse. She will be hearing false news. So here's the one thing for me. 
as a preacher, I want to make sure I can preach this message anywhere. Not just in America. Not just in the wealthy suburbs. But I want to take this one verse. I want to break it down with integrity. And I want to take this message to the wealthiest suburb. And I want to take it downtown to Giblin Court. Where the lost and the forgotten people live day after day. I want to be able to take this message and I want to preach this message in proper context. Anywhere I go. That's the integrity of the word of God. Now listen, if I can't preach it everywhere, I shouldn't preach it anywhere. Come on now. If I can't preach this word everywhere, then I shouldn't preach this word anywhere. The sad thing is that many of us are pursuing false good news. You may be thinking to yourself, man, why did I come to church today? I came to get built up, man. So if you're thinking that it's depressing so far, buckle up your seatbelt because we're getting ready to go on a ride right now. We're getting ready to go on a ride right now. We're going to take a look at two different verses that you can put on your coffee mug. We're going to take a look at two different verses that you can put on your t-shirt and wear it to your next Bible study. Because you'll be the only one wearing it, okay? That t-shirt with that verse on there. So are you ready? You ready to go on a ride? Here is the whole plot of the story. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Put that on your coffee mug, baby. <laughs> Let that be your life verse. Personally, I love that verse. Personally, that's the verse. Uh, scriptures like that speak the most to me. Here's another one for you. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for him everyone say suffer for him it has been granted to suffer for him you might be thinking does anyone put that on their shirt is that anyone's life verse in here this morning but here's the good news it's not that God saves us from every trial, but the good news is that through Jesus Christ, God the Father saves us from our sins. That is the real good news. We don't really understand how good this news is. When we hear that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for our sins, we accept him into our life, he saves us, we're going to leave planet earth, and we're going to heaven. Most people will react with a slight golf clap. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. The reason they react like that, whenever I talk about uh, salvation and God saving me from the pit of hell, I'm ready to party. I'm ready to broadcast it from the rooftops. Because I understand what it means to be in the muck and the mire, one breath away from death, hooked on drugs, uh, addicted to every single addiction known to mankind. I know what it's like to have no hope in my life. I know what it's like to not want to live. I know what it's like to want to die. I know what it's like not to have any purpose in my life and wonder why. I'm here on this planet earth. 
And what in the world am I going to do when I'm here? And what happens to me when I leave this place? I shouldn't say I know what it's like. I should say that I knew what it was like. Because God touched my heart. He realized, look, we think that we fall short by this much. That we fall short of the glory of God or this is the amount of sin that separates us. What we don't realize that it's not this amount of sin that separates us. It's this amount of sin. And we can never reach God's perfection. We can never reach on our own God's standard for us to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's when we surrender our whole entire life to Jesus and believe on him that God sees Jesus, not you. That's what it means when the blood of Jesus covers you. That is the good news. Do you not feel good enough? Do you not feel worthy? Hey, let me tell you something, man. It's okay because you aren't. I'm not. None of us are worthy. Why do we chase the false good news? Because we get bored with the real good news. And let me just say this. I want y'all to really know something. We can never get bored with the real good news because the gospel is the greatest news that ever has existed, that will ever exist on planet earth. And when people talk about it, one of your greatest witness is for you to get excited and share your testimony with them. We have the greatest news that exists on planet earth. So when we talk about it, you guys, I want y'all to erupt. I want you guys to get excited about the good news and really appreciate the meaning of what God, what Jesus Christ has done for us. The good news is that God doesn't exist to save us from our trials. But God exists to save us from our sins. That's the real good news. The good news is that God is working in us. He is shaping us for his eternal glory. Listen, when he doesn't do what you need him to do in two years, rest, rest in him. He has a plan. Don't live a Hananiah Christianity. You may be thinking, but Mark, this doesn't feel good. This isn't like feel good teaching. Listen, the exiles were like us. They wanted it easy. They only wanted to be in exile for two years. They wanted it over quickly. They were saying, God, get us out. So right before the famous verse in Jeremiah 29, 11 is this verse, Jeremiah 29, 10. This is what this verse says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now, who's Jeremiah speaking to? He's speaking to the elders. How old were the elders? They were elderly. (laughs) Yes. So, are you telling me that they won't see this promise from God come to pass? They were elderly. They didn't have 70 years. They would not get to experience Jeremiah 29 11 in the natural. But they would get to experience Jeremiah 29 11 in the supernatural. All right. So even though this verse is not specifically for me, here's what I want you to know. Here's the good news. There's still truth in it that we can pull from. 
So what can we walk away with from that verse today? My prayer is that you hear me loud, that you hear me clear, that you will never forget this. We all can leave here being confident in our God. Listen to these amazing verses I'm going to share with you right now. These verses impact my life to this very, very day. Have since I first got saved. My prayer is that it does the same in your life. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. That's a specific promise that we can pull from, take truth out, and apply to our life. This is a general promise in the next few verses that applies to everyone in here. Then you will call on me, and you will come, and you will pray to me. And I, God saying, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. In one of the worst moments in Israel's history, God gives them a promise. They were exiled. They lost everything. They had absolutely no hope of living in Jerusalem again. They were slaves to wicked people. So how do we extract truth from that verse? This is how we do it. Even in our darkest times, just like Israel, even when we mess up and when we fail, because you're going to mess up, you're going to fail, and so am I. Even when we're in a place of hurt and personal exile, God still has a plan for you. He was telling them, it's not over for you. In your darkest moments, God is waiting for you. He's not hiding from you. God does not play hide and seek. We, ha- we play hide and seek from him. Listen to me today. Please hear this. It's not over for you. The truth that we can take from this for us today is that God is not finished even though you feel finished. If you are not dead, God is not done. In your darkest times, in your darkest moments, call out to the Lord. He will hear you. Pray to him. He will come to you. Don't give up because you can't see it. Don't give up because it will take longer than you think. God will use your circumstances to shape you for the future that he has for you. This verse means so much to me. Because when I got saved from a terrible, miserable life that I just shared with you. I just celebrated my salvation birthday this past 9-11. I was literally one breath away from death, hooked on drugs, skin and bones, barely 70 pounds, emaciated. I know I'm a short dude, but that's still bad shape. 
I cried out to God. I had absolutely no desire to live. I cried out to God. I knew that when I died, and I was very close, I knew at that moment that I would not make it into heaven. I knew I was going to this place called hell. Never really considered it until I was in that situation. I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart, my life. He came in, and the first thing that happened, the Spirit came into me, and I looked in the mirror, skin and bones, emaciated, drug addicted, addicted to everything you could be addicted to, living out in Las Vegas, wrapped up in a life of sin. When I think about it right now, I literally get disgusted of how I used to live my life. When I asked Christ into my heart, first thing that happened, I looked in the mirror. I said, man, you are as jacked up as a person could get. You almost died. I looked in the mirror for the first time. And I said, I like that dude I'm looking at. I have no idea what's going to happen to me. But man, I know God is real. God just saved me. He gave me the best gift, the gift of eternal life. I don't have to know the plans for my life. All I have to do is call out to him. All I have to do is pray to him and he will come to me. All I have to do is seek him with all my heart. And he will give me the life that he created for me. I love those verses because I just did that in my life. I gave up all the addictions. I gave up everything that I shouldn't be doing. I gave up all my sins. I knew that God forgave me for my sins. I knew that God set the reset button on my life. I knew I had a second chance. And let me tell you something. If I knew that it was this good, I would have not waited so long and I would have done it so much earlier in my life. (laughs) What I want to do right now is I want to pray for you guys. Father, I just come to you in the sweet and precious name of Jesus. I lift everyone up to you right here, right now, God. So many struggles people are facing, God. God, reassure them that that specific promise to your nation has truth in it for their life. That, God, you have incredible plans for them. Plans that their mind cannot even conceive. My prayer for everyone in here today, God, is that, God, we will draw closer to you with all of our heart. God, that when we pray to you, that you will put in our hearts that we know beyond a doubt that you hear our prayers. You will answer our prayers. It may not be on our time period, but God, it'll be on your perfect time period. God, I pray for everyone who's hurting in here today. Pray that Holy Spirit, you comfort them with your peace, that you comfort them with your power, that you comfort them with your strength. And God, I want to thank you for everyone that you're prospering in here. Maybe it's a material, uh, in material ways that they're prospering. Maybe you're prospering them with friendships, God, which is the greatest thing. Even better than money, much more better. Maybe you're blessing them in different areas. We thank you because every good, every perfect gift comes from you. So God, my prayer is for each person in this room, whatever their needs are, That God, I thank you ahead of time because you've already met.
their needs. And Father, help us realize that you don't exist to serve us. That we exist to serve you. And that you've chosen to use each one of us to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people in our community, other people in our families, with people at our jobs. Give us the spirit of boldness to share Christ with everyone that you set in front of us, God. And I pray that in your name, Jesus. Maybe you're in here today. You're hearing me pray for people who already believe in God. They're already in the family of God. Maybe you're here today. You were at a point... You're at a point in your life that I was. Maybe you're like, man, I'm not in a relationship with God. But I want to be in a relationship with God. How do you start a relationship with God? You just simply know that you're a sinner. You just miss the mark like we all do. And you're saying to yourself, I know I'm a sinner. I, I believe in God. I want to go to heaven for an eternity. I do believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I do believe that he rose again on the third day coming back to life. Why did he do that? Because that's God's method of proving that he is the one and only true living God who came to die and to take on the sins, your sins, in your place. Now, if you want to start a relationship before you leave here today, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be bold. I want you to slip your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Yes, I see your hand. I see your hand. And I'm not leaving here until I begin that relationship with Jesus today. I see your hands. I see your hand. I want to congratulate you because you're getting ready to make the most important decision of your entire life. I'm going to lead you into prayer. Jesus, I come to you. Father, I ask you for your forgiveness of my, all my sins. Jesus, I believe that you die for me on the cross that you rose again on the third day, that you are alive here in my prayer right this second. Come into my heart. Take over my life. I thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Amen. I want to congratulate everyone who just made that important decision. What we're going to do now is we are going to celebrate what God has done in this place today. So if everyone would, please stand to your feet as we continue to worship God.